loads to talk about. Doing everything. I don't know. All right, fellas, welcome to episode 225 of Together BAJ. Cracking on nicely. Uh, we are Craigless today. Uh, he is busy at a wedding for, it's Labor Day, right? Labor Day? Labor Day, Labor Day tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. I always get, I still, I lived there for eight years. I still get Labor Day weekend and Memorial Memorial. I do the same. What is, what is Labor Day? What is a net, Robin? That's the real question. <laughs> uh, Labor Day is then, like a bank holiday. Basically, uh, there's probably some meaning behind it. It sounds fairly socialist, but it's America, so it absolutely isn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, way off piece at 43 seconds in. We've, this is, I'm sure this is what everyone wanted to talk about. Yeah, uh, we've gone off kilter quicker than United today. Um, all right, so uh, Stephen in the chat already, uh, what time does the Bart Muggs Gordon party start? Superb start, because... Uh, I've been watching on the loop, basically. Was basically. I, went, I think I went to sleep last night playing it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, James as well in the chat, uh, looks like Ansu Fati needs to be loaned out. Uh, probably not going to get enough game time with the Albion, um, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is a fair point. Uh, so let's start right there. Let's not piss about. Let's get straight into it. Uh, because over the course of late this week, um, a fella, I want to give credit to the real source, not the fake Fabrizio tapping source. Um, so if the Spanish you can recall, guy, right? The Spanish yeah, guy. the Spanish, the Spanish journalist, if you can recall his name or find his name for me, great. Uh, broke the news um, that Ansu Fati was not going to Tottenham on loan as originally believed, which was ninety nine percent certain, according to another. Uh, uh, I think it was the same guy. Wasn't no, it? It, was a, it was a female journalist, uh, Spanish yeah. press. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, she she did tweet out shortly afterwards, like, "What the hell? Like, it's all like the contract is ripped up. Everything's gone to shit. We don't know what's happened." So she she owned it at least. She owned the one percent, which is fair play to her. But uh, the the fella broke the news that he was no longer going to Spurs um, and was going to another Premier League club, and that club was Brighton and Albion. Now, Ansu Fati, the same player that took the number ten off of Messi when he left Barcelona, um, a player that has been really unlucky to have been plagued with as many injuries as he has. Um, because when he tends to play, he tends to play well. But he, I think he did his meniscus, uh, which is interesting given the Inciso replacement situation. Um, and then he did play 36 games last year, though, however. Um, but uh, it is really interesting to note that he has now picked Brighton Ovarbian as his destination of choice. Um when you saw that, we were all talking in the web chat a little bit about it, uh, that we all thought it was an absolute scam and definitely not true. Um, and within about 40 minutes, it went from definitely not true to, oh, okay, like Fabrizio, the tapping merchant, has confirmed it. Everyone seems to be good to go. This is really happening. What it was were your bonkers. thoughts on that evening? I mean, Because it was mental. Me, yeah, for me, it was like school – obviously, the summer holidays have been on – you know, for the last few months, I've not been out any evening. And it was the one evening I went out to watch. I went to the cricket. I went to watch England against New Zealand in the T20. So I didn't really, wasn't really paying attention to my phone. And in the space of that three-hour T20 cricket game, it went from not being a thing to basically being 100%. And I kind of saw the screenshots and just thought, what, like, the only explanation here is that Deserby has picked up the phone and has just sweet-talked him into coming. 
it's mad. Uh, I mean, like as a signing, like pound for pound, like Vicente is the only thing you can really compare. Yeah, it to. that's it. Like pound for pound, it's. I mean, it's bigger than that because you're getting a player here who is, you know, what is he? Nineteen, twenty, not even. He's twenty. You're getting a player here who is Barcelona's youngest ever scorer. I think he's the youngest ever scorer in the Champions League, and he's the youngest ever scorer for Spain. Which is like, and he's he's it's. I, I do you feel like if you if you told anyone that this was going to happen, well, I think even what seventy two hours ago at this point they would have yeah. called you bonkers. Um, uh, you can add more time to that, and the insanity increases. Like imagine if anyone said to you a year ago, remember we were still a year ago under the tutelage of Graham Potter. Matoma wasn't in the first team. Evan Ferguson was in the under 18s, right? Or this was this was a year ago, and now we just signed Ansu Fati, and we're we're you're you're going to talk about booking your bloody trips to go to the European destinations for the Europa League. This is just not a timeline that should exist, but it's miraculous that it does. I'm looking. I'm reading back over our chat for when this news broke because I was doing something else. I wasn't doing something as boring as cricket, but. I was, um, I can't remember what it was, but I came back and Josh, you shared something in the chat about this. And I, I'm, I'm going to quote myself here. I can't believe I've missed this absolute wank about Ansu Fati. <laughs> <laughs> Only for him to sign for Spurs in the next 10 minutes. Uh, and then I believe uh, I'm looking here, what, not even three minutes after I wrote that, <laughs> it got tweeted out by Fabrizio that he's accepted the Brighton thing. And I think it was Martinez Ferran was the, the guy yeah, originally. That's the um, right, yeah. I, I I don't understand it. Just just for everyone that maybe doesn't, and I think everyone does at this point, but just the, the sheer magnitude of this signing. We, Brighton and Hove Albion have 1.4 million followers on Instagram. Ansu Fati has 10.2 million. Like he's he's a brand at, at twenty years old, and as you mentioned, Robin, like he was, I think he was one of the he was playing for the Spain national team at seventeen. Yep, I think he's the only. Isn't he something like the only player to score more than two Champions League goals before he turned eighteen? Uh, he, he he was something. the next thing, as you see. He took the ten shirt, Josh. Like that. The, the, yeah. that's, they don't give that out lightly. They thought they he's thought got a billion. He's got a billion pound release clause. Yes. <laughs> it's got me. That's like that is not given out to the Colin Hawkins, Colin Hawkinses of this world, is it? <laughs> well, but can anything be better than how this played out? Firstly, we had no idea. No one had any idea until the last second. Um, we've gazumped Spurs, and I thought. Oh, by the way, weren't Chelsea also sniffing around this as a potential? Because like, why wouldn't they? They need another like forward. Um, yes. And then we've gazumped them. Deserby's gone from all for everything that's come out. It seems like it's Deserby that was the one that actually got on the phone with him and convinced him to come. Um, just it couldn't be better. It, this all this all seemed to unfold in the space of forty minutes. And then, if you remember as well, not a few hours later, where I think the UK lot had gone to bed, it then came out that oh, there's a La Liga club that are now possibly going to come back in. And I just oh, so, oh no, please don't do this. Like the gazumpers were going to be gazumped, and it just turns out that was Sevilla that were trying to grab. Yes. Um, but no, we we won out. People were tracking the plane, 
and the rest is history. And last thing to say, we have our two biggest like signings, the replacement for Caicedo, Baliba, Baleba, sat there in the stands next to Ansu Fati, the second coming of Lionel Messi, the still intended to be a, the, the biggest La Masia product for years and years and years, a generational talent, sat on the bench while we smashed the Champions League team. Last weekend, Lewandowski went on record to a Spanish interview and said he wants Ansu Fati to play more because he feels he can score more with Fati on the pitch. Like That was Robert Lewandowski, for those of you who aren't aware. Is he any good? One of the top three strikers in world football and probably has been for the last the most, five the years. Most, like the most mental thing is, is that this is all he is essentially an injury, he's an injury replacement. And Ciso <laughs> died for this. But like, this doesn't happen if who crunched and yeah. who's the guy that did it? Because we need to send him a, a cake someone, or something. Someone in training that yeah, person's was, gonna get a statue. Training. It was probably Dungy, and that's why he's not bothered about the wages being so much higher than his. He's like, yeah, that's on me, Gaffer, sorry. Yeah, I guess it was that's... a bad late challenge. It was probably Milner. Let's yeah, be honest. probably Webster. <laughs> Webster, that's why he's not playing, yeah. It's the perfect villain, like, arc, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, you know, having that horrendous game last week, and then he's injured in CISO in training, which has then led to this. It's like a proper comeback story. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's I mean, like, the... The PR value of it is insane that Barcelona have basically trusted Brighton with one of their best signings. Yeah, very much so. Um, and Stephen in the chat touches on it and talks about the pulling power of De Zerbi. And we we haven't seen this kind of pulling power, not the aged well for Gus Poet. Obviously, he's not really got the pulling power these days that he had back then. But the 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 power of getting that entire kind of Spanish contingent over was all on Gaspoya back in the day. Mm. We are we are seeing this now at such a higher echelon. We've broken through about eight of his ceilings at this point. Um, and Deserbi is operating at a level where he is able to get on the phone from what we can understand and have a 40-minute conversation with Ansu Fati when he is 99% going to Tottenham Hotspur. And then he hangs up that phone and goes, not for me anymore. I don't want to go to Spurs. I only want to go to Brighton if I'm going to the Prem. Like, that's that's my chosen destination after speaking with Roberto De Zerbi. Um, and is it, it's not a massive, it's a massive pat on the back in terms of how much the hierarchy are prepared to back De Zerbi as well. In that they have gone out and got a player who, you know, as we talked about, Josh, no one actually knows what people in our squad earn, right? But let's be honest, there's probably not anyone on 150 grand plus, which is what we're really... No, no chance. So the fact that, you know, Tony, if you look at the whole structure of the last half, many, it's, you know, it's all been about, you know, sort of paying within our means, as it were. There's been quite a rigid... From, what, you know, from the outside, it appears, there's been quite a rigid structure in terms of what we're prepared to pay for people. And this is the first time, from what we can see, that they've been prepared to seize an opportunity where they've gone, right, we can get one of the best young players in the world on loan. And yes, it's worth breaking our wage structure for it. So it shows you that, dessert, you know, like you say, this doesn't, to go back to what Adam said at, you know, at the beginning, there is no chance on earth that this happens 12 months ago when Potter's in charge. I don't think there's any... I mean, like, 
Tony wouldn't, you know, Tony didn't break the bank to try and get a striker when it was clear that basically that's we were a striker short of, you know, being where we needed to be. Ironically, Evan Ferguson was sitting there twiddling his thumbs. But, you know, I mean, it's the first time that Tony has, you know, has gone for it. I that think curse is gone. It's at Stamford Bridge now, that curse. It's been there for a while. Isn't it? I honestly yes. think if Anthony Fatty spent 40 minutes on the phone with Graham Potter, he would have signed for Palace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, it's bonkers, Some couple it? more comments in the chat as well. Uh, James saying he, uh, he guesses we are just not going to bother signing a new fullback. Well, the deadline has now passed, so we definitely aren't. Um, sort of like the door's not bothering with a base player. Uh, as such, good to see Lamptey back at it. Yeah, we will. That was one particular moment in that game I really wanted to touch on. Uh, and I think you made it, made, talked about it, Adam, as soon as he got subbed on as well um, and decidedly was put right wing against a yellow-carded Dan Byrne. Um, we will talk about a little bit more about what you're saying there, El Dude Brothers as well. Um James as well in the chat saying that we may actually decimate some of the Europa competition. Uh, so let's move on to the next topic before we even get to There's the lots battle. to talk about. Uh, lots. There's been a lot going on, yeah. Um, because transfer deadline day, other than signing one of the best players on the planet, uh, young players on the planet, on loan for a year, uh, we didn't really do anything else. Um, so Moving on from the transfer window closing, let's talk about the Europa League draw. So Friday afternoon, midday UK time, obnoxious as hell for you guys in the States, Adam. Um, yeah, I fell asleep while watching it on stream in bed. Outrageous, really, isn't it? Like having it that early. I'm not sure what they were thinking. Can we be on? I just want to jump in here because like watching the, on the thing, they gave this big intro to who's going to do the draw. Like Man United legend, loads of appearances for Ireland. Put your hand up if you thought that the answer to that was going to be John O'Shea. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Roy Keane all day. And it wasn't, yeah, like, yeah. there's all sorts of like, I was like, Dennis Irwin, maybe, Roy Keane, but like, then John O'Shea <laughs> like, meanders out. And you go, that is not who I'd have gone for the ambassador for the Europa League. Technically correct, but yeah, not, yeah. not what you wanted. Yeah, I think, so I think for me, it really, for the first time, probably since we qualified, like it actually sank in that like we're in this competition. It's not no disrespect to it, but it is kind of disrespectful, but like the Europa conference league just isn't the same. Like it doesn't have the same history as it doesn't have the same heritage of it. Like this is still for all intents and purposes, like we're in the UEFA cup, like we're in the Europa league. Like that's a big tournament. That's always been a big tournament. Um, and I think it only really settled down for me in my head that, like, holy shit, like, this is where we are, is when we had that picture or, like, the video of them doing the draw and stuff, and it was in that room, like, the big, like, beautiful conference room with, like, all the posh-ass chairs and all of these execs from all these mo- massive clubs all sat there and Paul Barber and Paul Camillan's chilling in the middle of them. And I was just like, we're actually rubbing shoulders with these teams uh, and there is probably 50 to 60% of these teams' representatives here today that are thinking anyone but Brighton from pot three. Like, that's crazy, isn't it? And it, like, it is. And I think into you touched a, it, but that. the weirdest thing is for, I think, for Paul Camlin, who, you know, is someone else who started out writing on goals, I think, you know, as a fanzine writer in the, you know, the real dark times who has been here through this entire, you know, curve that we've been on, he must be sitting there going, 
you know, as a fan, I think he's a fan as well, obviously. But, you know, to be sitting there, they're going, what on earth? Like, if you go back 20 years, you know, what on earth has happened here? Like, in the nicest possible way, go, I'm chuffed for the bloke, like, on a personal level, that he has been there through the entire arc of this. And he gets to sit there, you say, Josh, in that big room, you know, where they do Champions League draws, etc. The camera's panning in on him. And you think, like, what a moment for him. It's random, it's sort of related, but someone asked earlier, Alex in the chat, did we manage to get the Europa League shirt? Tell you what, for me, this that shirt is up there of like the nicest shirts. Honestly, currently in football, I think it's absolutely stunning. And yeah, they like restocked it a few times. And I think, I think we all got one, didn't we? We all got that shirt. Um, Even the missus got one. She yeah. wanted one of them. As it's soon as she saw the nice Hyperturk, as soon as she saw the Hyperturk and like the you know, like the fade in. She was like, yeah, that's really nice. I was the like, pavilion on the bottom. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not as nice as the Saudi Arabia Newcastle shirt or the Man United that's away that true looks like heritage. a referee's kit from the NFL. But, you know, it's up there. It looks worse than an NFL referee's kit, honestly. Like, it would be a I didn't know, what, I didn't know who it was from. I obviously knew they were playing, but I just turned the game on. I was like, the Arsenal game. I was just like, who is playing? Who's, what is that shirt? horrendous uh but james um in the chat was saying that he thinks we could actually decimate some of our europa league competition because a lot of them will come to play their game because for some of these teams um they well really just one of them but for one of those teams such as athens is not going to be they're going to be in the same boat as us right like we don't get to do this often like let's stamp up like let's go and do be ourselves like be you sort of thing um but we're and- second favorites to win the whole thing Bookies, though, they always back the English clubs because the English people are the biggest gamblers on the face of the planet. So it's a bit biased. We can't win it because Roma are in it, managed by Mourinho, and we'll lose 5 0. They'll have six passes in the game and they'll <laughs> yeah. just counter it. There's no way we win. There's just no. No, way. we'll lose on penalties. It'll be yeah, nil nil. We'll there's... lose on penalties and they'll have three passes. So if you finish third, you, you still you drop into the conference league, right? Yeah. It's only when they bring in the next format. Is it next year when it goes to a massive league team? Yeah, next year it goes to the, the American next thing. Year, Bundle everyone yeah. in a big so, bucket. I was I, mean, I was could. like absolutely blown away when I saw that in Football Manager when it updated. Yeah, and it was like, there's a new format. And <laughs> I'm like, this? what is this? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we could, there's an argument, you know, you could end up winning the Conference League. Anyway, we're getting miles ahead of ourselves. Um, but it's a good group. I mean, from my perspective, all I wanted was, I think I was saying in the chat, my minimum was like, if we have one big ground where the majority of people, where, you know, a decent chunk of people that go on a semi-regular basis away from home have a chance of getting a ticket. That was my kind of personal, you know, ideal. And the fact we've got two of, well, we've got two of them, really. Talk about Ajax, we're going to get 2,800 tickets and Marseille's 3,300. So, you know, both of those are, that's that's going to be enough given the fact it's, you know, there's going to be young families that probably can't travel during the week. You know, that's going to be enough, those two allocations for pretty much most people that have, you know, have been going away from home for a while. That's going to be enough for them to get to probably both of them if they want. Decent places to go I to as well, good, like it? in general, like decent cities. Like you could have, it could have been worse. Could, we could have got like the, I don't know, there was some Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan looks yeah, nice. I mean, but, like, you don't want to go all the way there on a bloody Thursday, do you? Yeah, Karabakh. No, on a Thursday. <laughs> <night>. <laughs> you've got like 
some of the some of the clubs you know in Serbia, I think it's the Serbian club, like their I mean, there's a question of I think their capacity is like less than six thousand, so they should not be playing the games at home. I think in terms of the rules, but you know, that's where you're looking at like nine hundred a thousand tickets, which would have been you know a lot more of a scrap. But yeah, it's actually I'm more worried about getting to Marseille than I am actually getting a ticket. Because it's it's a proper it's a proper rigmarole to get there on uh, on match day to Marseille. Yeah. yeah, like from where? Well, I think you're fine if you're in the southeast. You can fly from Gatwick and all that, but it's massively expensive because it's when the Rugby World Cup's on in France. So they the sort of that Marseille have had some games before that. So flight prices are insane in general. Um, but for me, um, I'm flying from Edinburgh. <laughs> on the day of the game so oh, it'll be fine you have to get a, I'll just get a boat to be honest go round you can just use the whole I know I thought yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, but were you Josh how did you feel about the group in general because I, I know when we were doing our predictions beforehand I wanted an absolute like, group of cowards I wanted the teams in there that I'd never heard of <laughs> um, yeah I remember you and uh, you wanted you some of the, the bigger team. boys yeah but I'm, I'm also a bit nervous about some of the, like are we going to face some West Ham stylies, whereas we'd rather maybe face some of the, or at least Ajax will probably play football, right? You would expect Ajax and Marseille to play some football. Yeah. Ajax and Marseille will definitely not show us the respect that people may want us to have, um, for sure. Uh, I had, in my ideal group, I had Leverkusen, Sporting and Panathinaikos. Uh, so I got, you got a great team, I guess. Yeah. Um, Ajax was well up there on my list when I was going through them. Uh, but I picked Leverkusen for the like the love the love relationship we have with Bayer. Um, I think that would have been great. But I mean, when you look at that group, like you've got Athens, beautiful place to go. They're a relatively newer team on the scene outside of your Panathinaikos. Is your Olympiakos? They've Athens been around for ages, but they've been off. They've not been doing much for a long while. Exactly. They've yeah. been like they're they're a club with a lot of history, but they're not. A big, they're not a Panathinaikos or an Olympiakos, right? Like, so it was nice mm. to get that team in there. It was rudely enough, like a team I think like we can definitely beat as well, which is nice. Like, it's a team where like I think we can de- get six points from them, which is always like the key, right? In pot four, if you're pot three, you want a team definitely worse than you. Um, pot two, you know, Marseille is one of those teams where like if they were in the Champions League draw this year, I wouldn't have blinked. Like, I wouldn't have thought anything of it but they are in pot two of the Europa so obviously they're not the team they once were I don't follow the French league whatsoever because it's just they've lost um, they've lost Sanchez recently Alexis Sanchez has gone he went back to Inter Payet's yeah, gone and, somewhere isn't he yeah Payet's um, gone yeah. was it Neil Mopé's best friend Guendouzi's gone as well oh yeah he went to Italy didn't yeah, he, he did, went to yeah so I think like you say I think they've lost they've lost a few They've lost a few players, but you know it's a, it's going to be a really interesting city to go to. Obviously, from a football perspective, as England English fans have not had an ideal time in Marseille. I think it's fair to say over various visits, like France '98, there was obviously the the Tunisia game where the entire world just yeah just went mad there. And I think it was it was it when the Euros were there. England Russia had all the problem with the Russian. Hooligans in Marseille. So, anyway, it's going to be it's a good place to go. So, I'm going to go. I'm literally flying <laughs> day of the game, and then I'm going flying back the next day. Well, it's fifth uh, of October, is it? It's worse places to go than the south of France on the fifth of October, in my opinion. Oh yeah, 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 hundred yeah, percent. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be. I mean, it'd be great. I mean, it's going to be bonkers just to just be there. Like just the fact that you know the closest we get normally is going to some preseason friendly. If you want to go over under oh. the lights, dark with the music. Oh. Yeah. The atmosphere. That, yeah. You know, it's, I mean. Uh, yeah, three, you know, three, just over three and a half, well, just under three and a half thousand, which I think will go. I think Marseille will be the least, I think it will be the least popular of the three. Yeah. In terms so. of what Ajax is going to be the most popular by a country mile, won't it? The only thing about that is that it's a really expensive trip, Amsterdam. That's the only thing. It's a really expensive city to go to and it's a really expensive city to get to. Mm. But but that so was obviously the headliner draw as well. Like yeah. that when you were saying like how I felt about it, like as soon as I saw we were in Ajax's group, I was like, I don't even care. Like who else is in this group? Like we've got Ajax, Joel Veltman derby. Like yeah. let's no, do it's it. The tu- like, now it's the Tuberakpom derby. <laughs> but like, I mean, they're a massive club, right? Like they still yeah. are. Like, yeah. The Dutch, the Dutch league isn't what it was anymore. Um, but like Ajax are still Ajax. Like they are still, one of the most respected clubs in world football. Um, so, Haven't they gathered about 300 million in transfer fees in the last two years or something ridiculous? Yeah, like with that. all those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, like most of it was Anthony. Like, like another club. Yeah, and Timber. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we are 25 minutes in. Uh, yeah. Let's get on to Newcastle United at home. Did we play a game? Yeah. We did. Well, can um, I, can I add one last well. thing? I don't mean to cut yeah, you off, you but because the, 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 the first game of the Europa League is. It's on the 21st of September. And as we record, it's the 3rd of September. Yeah. Like, it's soon. Like, that's not very... But I am a little bit nervous because we... So we have the international break of which we're now... Our team are good. So there are international players in it now, as we've seen with Duncan Gross getting call-ups as well. So we've got... Our next game is away to Man U on the 16th, right? Yeah. And then... It's then we've the, got the first Europa game. And then first Europa game at home on the 21st. Is it then it's Villa? I think it's no, Villa. Bournemouth. No, it's Bournemouth. Bournemouth oh, on Bournemouth. the 21st. 16th, 21st, 24th. And we've got to squeeze in a Chelsea Carabao Cup game in September as well. It's going to be a lot. Yeah, 27th. Yeah, yeah, the week after that. So, yeah, it's going to be, there's a lot, there's a lot coming up. We're absolutely sacking off the Carabao Cup, by the way. There's no, no get way rid of it. Deser- Deserby is Deserby is going to be playing like the same sort of eleven that he played against Wolves back last year. Like, yeah, that, yeah. like, what kind of eleven is this? And like, he's just not going to care. I but to be fair, we've been. got to the point where that kind of eleven is still actually quite good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. The difference for us now is when we when you talk about oh, just put the youth team out. Our youth team's our first team. So do we now put the OAPs out? So when we play the Carabao Cup, Milner's playing, Lalana's out, Welbeck. I think that's Seals the, in there. Yeah, the golden yeah, I mean, oldies. I think that is. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that is exactly what happens. Uh, Andrew totally. Cross, like... Andrew Cross comes into play. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so... you're right. We'll sack it off. Let's talk uh, Newcastle at home. Uh, after coming off of a bit of a thumping by Moyes' West Ham United, uh, champions of Europe, you know, if you didn't weren't aware, for 90 minutes of them singing that they were champions of Europe for winning the Conference League. Um, they, uh, they were flying high, uh, and we were a little bit worried about what this meant for the rest of our season, frankly, uh, because we'd dicked the two terrible teams, and the first team that looked half decent that we came up against... Uh, they battered, battered us at home. Upcome Newcastle, Eddie Howe has our pants down every single time we play him, whether it's born before Newcastle. 
There was a lot of nerves around this one, I think, because we were hoping for a minimum of nine points from these four, and we expected those nine to come in the first three. So, <clears throat> Newcastle curse, Eddie Howe curse, and coming off the back of an absolute thumping from West Ham United. Not a great deal of changes uh, in this side. Uh, we did get, however, the much-desired Pedro Ferguson duo, and we did get the one thing that we talked about for like 40 minutes of the hour and 20 minutes last week. Uh, we got Webster out, we got Milner out, and we got Van Hecker in and Joel Veltman in. How were we feeling about that 11, fellas? I was absolutely delighted with it, frankly. I, I think that on paper is currently our strongest team. Agreed. Um, well, with Ansu Fatty currently not able to but now, play. You know. Well, that's why I've, like, it's, Belaber hasn't played a minute either, but like he could come in and be like Caicedo, where like he was a joke at beer shot and then came in and was suddenly the best midfielder in the world. And then has gone back to being a joke as soon as he rolled up at Stafford Bridge. But like he could, like Beleba could come in and do exactly that. Like we just don't know. So like I don't want to commit to too much excitement around Beleba, around Igor, because like he may just like he's just not up to it yet. Like whether it's premature and fitness, whether it's everything else, like whatever. And then uh, yeah, and then obviously Fatty is is going to be in that best eleven at some point, no doubt about it. But for now. I'm not even including them as it stood on that day. That I think is probably our best 11 that we're and I not think it, about. It's, yeah. I think it's great how decisive Deserby is as well in terms of like Webster had a really dreadful game. And I think if that's pot, you know, Potter, one of his criticisms was, you know, he stuck with people arguably too long. You know, like they were just, this is the team I'm going to play. Deserby's like, no, you have a really awful game. You're out. Which is, you know, as a fan, it's it's not playing to the fans, but it's exactly what the fans want, which is when someone has a dreadful game, you go, right, you know, we want a reaction to that. And the reaction is we don't want him to play next week. Yeah. Which is, you know, what we got. I mean, I was, I thought he might throw Igor in, but, you know, I thought Van, I, I've, I was not, I wasn't critical of Van Hecker in our sort of preview one, but I was a bit sceptical as to, whether he was we a, know. <laughs> yeah whether he was a, an option like a genuine option but i thought it was really good yesterday i thought it was really good um, i'm getting a horrendous solly march crow eating vibes from van heck already where he looked like a f- bloody nester yesterday uh yeah because i was like no he's not good enough and uh, basically just whatever we say just fade us completely uh, because it, it turns out Deserby is able to just change these players and, and evolve them. But the the, the bench was, uh, we talked about here, This so this 11, I went on a Newcastle podcast earlier in the week, and this was the 11 I hoped we'd put out. All of the changes, all those like pragmatic changes that we'd hoped for. I also understated, I really like he stuck with Bart for Bruggen because you felt bad for the guy. None of it was really his fault against West Ham. It would have been very easy to drop him and put Steele back in. And then the poor guy's probably like got a bit of a confidence here. Like whenever he plays, he seems to like be leaking goals. Great. To, and by the way, we will get onto performances, but he is just, he's going he's gonna to be the fantastic player. He already is a fantastic player. He just looks like he fits perfectly in the system. 
So um, but that age as well, scary. Nuts. The confidence he has on the ball is. I mean, everybody talked about it, right? Like there was a reason company was like literally like willing to like throw everything at it, trying to get him to Burnley. Uh, and yeah. there's a reason why they then pivoted straight to Trafford because he's also very good with the ball at his feet. But there's a reason why Bart was way ahead of him in the, the hopes order of, of what company wanted. Um, I don't know about you, but I was uh, very worried about this Newcastle game in terms of I expected to get beat because of every other curse that we seem to have against Newcastle and Eddie Howe combined just feels like an accident waiting to happen. But they've never won it in the Premier League at the Amex, right, Newcastle? <laughs> no, but Eddie Howe... But neither West Ham haven't either, right? So Exactly, <laughs> yeah, there is that. Um I was a little bit worried about it. Uh, they also have Cullen Wilson, who always has a score yeah, against us. Spoiler yeah. alert, he did in the end as well. Uh, they have a striker that is tailor-made to be a problem for us in Alexander Isak. Uh, he is the sort of striker that Brighton traditionally struggle with, right? Like, not only is he big, but he's also agile as hell, uh, which is never good for the Albion. Um, and, yeah, it was that first 10 minutes... I felt even more worried because uh, the press started very early, very often, and very good. Um, I think they had probably two very good opportunities in that well, first ten minutes. I was going to well. say, I looked at the the five the five opportunities in the game that had the highest xG. Number one was Ferguson's first goal that had the highest xG. Number two was Wilson's goal. Two of the next three were Isak's two chances, one in the first minute, one in the third minute. Mm. So we should have been 2 0 down after three minutes. Yeah, it was, it was a bad day. start. On another I think day, we, we said that on the chat too. Like I think I, I think we said that. We were like, we should be two down here, and it's not even five minutes yet. <laughs> so and I was with, at least we at least we can see this XG like in the eye test as well sometimes. Yeah. I was I was worried about that I was worried about the potential midfield mismatch because obviously they had Tonali, Gimaraish, Joel Linton up against Gross and Gilmore. And my worry was that those three were gonna run rings around Gross and Gilmore. But I forgot that you know Billy Gilmore is transitioning into some sort of cross between Paul Gascoigne and Franz Beckenbauer at the moment. <laughs> Gilmore's just unreal. Like it's just, yeah, so I was really worried pre-game that that was going to be the outcome of those three. Actually, what Newcastle tactically didn't seem to do is that none of those three seemed to sit back. All three of them just seemed to just roam forward and they just left this enormous gap between their midfield and their centre-backs, which we, we just reverted to prime deserby ball, which was a long ball over the top, taking out midfield, and suddenly you've got Jal Pedro with acres of space running up against Dan Byrne. Like, that was just... The fact that none of them would drop back, and it took until what well, brought Longstaff on eventually to try and sit in that gap. But by that time, you know, it was it was prime deserby. It was just prime deserby ball. Well, I, I think those two substitutions, and we're going to get to them because I think they were the worst two substitutions I've seen an opposition manager make in the, at the Amex ever, like ever in any division. I don't think I've ever seen a worse pair of substitutions as those two in the mid because they weren't r- running rings around them as you'd expect, but physically, like they were well like in it. They were they had the absolute chance to bully us at every opportunity, right? Like they were a much stronger 
they add the extra numbers and then they took off Tonali. They took off uh, Joe Linton, like who's an absolute yeah. beat and brought on Longstaff and I think like some kid that like Elliot Anderson. Oh, Elliot Come Anderson. on, yeah, yeah, you know Elliot Anderson. That hero, yeah, like absolutely, like just insane. Um, but that first twenty-five minutes. We settled into a bit of a rhythm. As you said, I think that midfield battle went really dictated the play of the game. Uh, and on 27 minutes, uh, Gilmore hit an absolute stonker of a shot. Like, I've, like Thunder Bastard, as I think you've referenced before, right? Yeah. Uh, and Pope, who was wildly out of position and rattled massively already uh, from hoofing the ball straight to Estepinion uh, while he was miles out of goal. Uh, just couldn't keep a hold of it. And there was the one thing we've waited for for a long time, a natural fox-in-the-box goal scorer, a la Glenn Murray-esque type striker that we haven't had since he left, uh, to basically hammer the ball home. And that man was 18-year-old Evan Ferguson, who we have been hoping would start from day one. Um, Technically a man, I suppose. You could say child in some ways. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, can't, in the US. Can't, yeah, can't drink. Can't drink in the US. Yeah, he can't drink in the US for three years. Like that's that's not young. It's just so nuts. I don't. The Gilmore shot was incredible. Uh, what I think was even funnier about the whole thing is that Dan Byrne was on his ass playing Ferguson on side, um, which is one of the main reasons that he we wasn't offside on that chance as well. Um, I just. I know we're going to talk about Ferguson's performance in general, but we're going to have to have the conversation just more about how, how good he can become and how good he is already. And this, this trajectory that he's on, I just, it's more, it's going to be more along the lines of deserve for me. How long can we keep a hold of this guy? Um, because he is unbelievable. I do want to add one thing quickly, just on the lineups, uh, just back on that and talk about Newcastle a little bit too, because I was also scared about that midfield matchup and you were right. They just felt like we can just roll them over a little bit. And they did have a big weakness, right? Because they don't, they did not want to play Dan Byrne at centre-back. Uh, so da- they did not want him playing there, but they had, who's the guy that's injured? Uh, Botman. Sven Botman. So they had to play Dan Byrne at centre-back and bring in Matt Target. And I thought we were going to direct a lot more of our play down the right-hand side, and we started to do a little bit of that. But I think that upset the balance for them. And then we just had the possession. like They just didn't have the ability to play the game that they wanted to play. And let's not forget, we were rattled after West Ham. Think about them. After losing to a 10-man Liverpool when the game was completely in your hands and bottling it at that, that level. And they've now had an awful start. But last thing I'll say is just on the subs bench is, and I know we're talking about Ferguson, I've gone back to subs benches, but our subs bench objectively for me is was better than theirs. And they've got all of that money, all of that money. They're playing in the Champions League and they brought on, as you said, Elliot Anderson, Sean Longstaff, Jamal Lascelles, who's more suited to battling on the streets of Newcastle after a club night uh, than he is on the pitch. Um, like, and we've got, think, think about, look at our bench. Tarek Lamptey, who came on, like, hopefully he can get back to his best. We've got Igor, who we've not seen yet, but high hopes. You've got Milner, Lalana, Dahoud, Adinga, Buenonate. 
We haven't even added Belieber and Fatita. Who comes off the bench for those two? Like it's it, it's unbelievable. I don't know where I was going with all this, but I was just. Uh, it's just so but I mean, yeah, I, think I mean, you're, right. you're not wrong. I think they'll do well. I mean, I, they'll do well to finish in the top eight this year. They had a tough start, tough, tough run of games in in their slight defence, but they don't look. We might have seen has 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 Eddie Howe been sort of, I don't know, figured out a little bit, you know. I mean, from the Newcastle fans that I've seen online, they they all blamed his substitutions last week against Liverpool for ruining the flow of the game. They took off Anthony Gordon, who's their best player by a mile against Liverpool. Yeah. Did nothing. I mean, no, he didn't. Uh, Other than being absolutely mugged off. uh, (laughs) And uh, then missed a really easy shot as well, just shanked it wide. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, Let's talk about the star boy, though, the hat-trick hero. Um, And we'll spend probably a bit more time on this one than his third I think Dunkey even tried to get it took off him in the tunnel. He was telling one of the reporters that it was never going on target. And they just <laughs> it. Uh, which I just, I just love that Lewis has got to that point now where he's just like a wind-up merchant for everyone. Um, but second goal assisted by Billy Gilmore. Uh, and it was a great pass through the lines as well from him, uh, yeah. which, as you were saying, is what he's been, been doing lately. Um, Evan Ferguson, all that time and space... Uh, and you could see he was revving up a shot, so to speak. And I assumed it was going to be an NCSO-esque like Thunderbolt. Have you ever seen a goal like that before in the manner of it being 25 yards out, placed to perfection, but also hit like a rock? Like a, I've, I've never seen yes. such an, like a, a well-placed piss missile in my life. <laughs> like, but, it's, but it was done, but I've only seen that. I'll tell you who does that. Lionel Messi with his left foot. He like, I'm I'm not just saying that, but he's he's the, an absolute merchant at doing that. Just that <clears> it feels like he's just passed it gently, but the keeper can't react quick enough. It's just. Yeah. But does that goal not sum up what we were saying about the the space that their midfield was nowhere? That suddenly Ferguson's got enough time, twenty five yards out, to place that ball where the midfield he's not being Dan Byrne and Shaw are not coming out to block him. The midfielder's not getting back to track. So he's just got this, you know, five yards either way of space just to not taking anything away from the finish. But the fact that he even had the time to do that is mad. Yeah, but if you give all that time to Neil Mopé, um, that it doesn't ends happen, up, does it? Yeah, it ends up. Yeah, I don't know whether Josh is just staring incredibly pensively. Yeah, I think I've, made, I've made such a good an incisive point. Uh, it almost looks artistic the way you sort You've of throws in there. Yeah. You know, we've, uh, the problem is now that it's like, the, it's like the, t- oh, it's like the teacher. Has nah, yeah. We've, we've done this before when Josh has gone and it's been me and Craig in the past and just it, all hell breaks loose. Um, but let's, let's keep it sensible. So that, I mean, it's an incredible goal. Um, I think neither, I didn't think when I saw him taking that shot on, I didn't think it was going to end up in the back of the net, but I was also equally not surprised that it did, if that makes sense. Um, and that's game over at that point, because it was beginning to, it was that classic game we thought we dominated this for what, an hour up to that point. Yeah. And you thought, this is prime for us, you know, giving away a sloppy goal. Yep. And then suddenly you've got 20 minutes where the game's in the balance. The, the pressure was releasing. It was just because, because it was so far out. You didn't expect it. 
because as you say, you sort of expected him to drive or smash it or do something. And then just the fact, everything that culminated from that, the fact that it was an incredible finish from the guy that you, you're sort of pinning your hopes on for the, the future, not not even the future st- striker of the club. He is he is the club's best striker. Uh, it was just incredible. Uh, I the, the interesting part for me as well was that Gilmore had a bit of a bad touch. He over over overhit it a little bit on his touch and i think it was bruno that was um that closing him down and nearly won the ball off him and instead he just bulleted that little pass through to ferguson that created it so it was it was a wonderful sort of use from him where he sort of had a bit of a mistake in him but still was able to pull off an incredible pass and at that point yeah bruno was well out of position because he pressed and lost uh and, and never got the ball Josh, you're back. You you were posing like the Mona Lisa. I am. I am. My my Virgin Internet never use it. It's the worst ever. We'll never be sponsored by them. I'll tell you that for free. Well, speaking of sponsors, Monster Energy just announced a sponsorship with with Brighton like two hours ago, right? You imagine the amount of money that's coming in from that. I think you said it, Adam. Like that's going to be worth an absolute fortune. Monster Energy sticking their sponsorship. It will. Adam and I have managed to not get sued for libel in the 45 seconds where you were gone so we kept things sensible yeah we've just finished off yeah just finished off the analysis of evans yeah second goal and it's mad that you know let's say it's eight at 18 there's not many strikers you probably count on the fingers of one hand in world football that think to have a shot from there and get it on target and nestle it in the bottom corner like it's and that's the thing he's not even played you know number of premier league games he's played 33 is it 33 games? Yeah. It's silly, isn't it? And he's, it yeah, is. it is. It is really silly. And I think, you know, he deserved the hat-trick goal. I mean, I think it, it was on target when you look at the angle right behind where he hit it. It's on target. But it's like he deserved the sort of day he was having. Like, if anyone deserved a hat-trick, then, uh, then he did. And I think it was that stat. It was like it's the first time since 1994 that there have been three Premier League hat-tricks on the same Yeah. Day. Yeah, yeah. Is he one? He's one of the youngest hat trick scorers, right? One of the. Yeah, they said there's the, only yeah. three. I think there's only three that have scored a Premier League hat trick before they were whilst they were eighteen. One of them was no. I think yeah, he's the fourth one. So yeah, said, is. this is the company in Robbie Fowler, Michael Owen, and the third one. Chris Bart Williams, which is a bit random. Let's hope he falls in the former. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Josh, what did you but think he, of the goal, the second and the third? The third, yeah, it's outrageous, was it? Uh, the third one was pretty funny. It was the ultimate, like, just morale destroyer for Pope as well, which felt really good. Um, but yeah, the second one was just mental. I think you were touching on it before my internet decided to like crash out. Um, just the amount of space he was offered was just unbelievable. Like, there was no midfield presence, like, yeah, like, there was nothing. They they were all bothered about trying to stop Gilmore making the pass. No one seemed to make the connection that he, if he gets it through we've actually got quite a dangerous situation on their hands. Uh, they just kind of thought they'd wing it from there. Um, but as you were saying, like there's not many players in the world that can do what he just did there. Um, and he kind of showed his all round game, didn't he yesterday? Like he's just happy to score tappings. He's in the right place to score them. He can score screamers. He's happy to score screamers. And then he's also one of those players that has enough attempts and gets in the right positions enough to, get those rubs of the green as well sometimes, which Brighton historically are quite hilariously inept at getting. Um, so yeah. it's it's yeah. one of those things that, again, like 
he's got he's got the IQ at 18. Like he, I mean, we've he's been saying this for like, a long time. Like he plays like a 30 year old veteran. He does. Like, he's, it's he's crazy. Really well as well. Like, you see, when he's breaking forward with the ball, he will always he sees the overlapping runner all the time. But like, the number of times where he's looking for March on the right wing to play a ball through, and then he's and then he's following it up. But I think it's also worth. I think Richard in the chats pulled it out as well, which is Jao Pedro starting that game and causing havoc in terms of his work rate has created, you know, as we said, those two together are dynamite because Jao Pedro is he's all over the pitch. He was tracking back a lot. He was pressing in defence a lot yesterday, but generally he's creating so much space for Ferguson just to run riot that I think the argument, I mean, we said last week we didn't want to ever see Welbeck and Ferguson starting together again. I think yesterday shows you what you get on, you know, if it goes right, Jal Pedro and Ferguson together has got to be, it's got to be the dream ticket. Yeah, he played... Oh, God, Josh. Sorry, go on. I was, I was going to say that, that I don't know if we play them both for a lot of away games, right? Because Jao Pedro is fantastic, but you could imagine that we need a little bit more solidity when we don't have as much possession. When you're playing Man City away, I think he's probably going to drop a Dehu, Lalana, someone else in there. So you've got a tighter, a number 10 that can drop deeper. Um, but I will say Jao Pedro's, I have not seen someone in a Brighton shirt play as well with their back to goal in a long time as him. Every time the ball came out from either Verbruggen or one of the centre-backs, it was fired into Jao Pedro. And his ability to hold off one of the Newcastle uh, midfielders or defenders was absolutely second to none. And what that just allowed us to do was open up all the channels, all those overlapping runs that were created by him having you know, hold of the ball there with his back to goal was incredible. And we've seen Enciso try to do that in some of the games where he's played in that role. And for everything Enciso does very, very well, playing with his back to goal is not his strong suit because he's weak as all hell. And you see the difference. Like, it, it, it created so much opportunity for us with him playing in the hole behind Ferguson. I'm going to be well against the grain here uh, and say that I thought he played well yesterday. I agree with everything you're saying, but his decision-making was shocking. It was ball or final touch it was. yesterday, which is why he's a 20 or 19 or 21 year old Brazilian footballer playing for Brighton and not Real Madrid, right? It's right. true, yeah. I think, but I'm hoping time played that. will help. Yes, yeah, he tried the little flick, didn't he? Um, and but to be fair, if that comes off and that ends up as a goal, then it's like, oh, yeah, it's outrageous. Here we go. But I'm with you, that's the one thing is obviously is, is decision making in the final third and how clinical he is or not. But, you know, we've got goals. Um, it helps. I think Everywhere. it helps that we're not, we're not relying on him for goals, um, which is good, I suppose. There may be a couple of games in the season where we, you know, there's fine margins and, and he drives you insane because he's overplayed it or, yeah, as you mentioned, tries to backheel it when he should have just... He should have had a goal yesterday. There's no doubt about it. Um, and both him and Ferguson, in my mind, need to... They're passing to do with so but again we're talking about kids for the most part like you know let's give them some credit we just battered Newcastle and in part it was due to a lot of the what they were able to do and a hat trick from an 18 year old like yeah these guys we're not talking about finished articles here they they are 
inherently works in progress. And we, the fact that we're even seeing the things they're doing right now is unbelievable. And I mean, they're bossing around players that are a lot older and wiser than them as well, right? Like that's the also the other thing. They're playing against teams and players that have seen and done a lot more than them, right? Like they're they're defending, you know, they've got Kieran Trippier on one side who's like basically in tears after having to deal with Mitoma all day. You've got <laughs> Dan Byrne who shouldn't be on the pitch. Fabian Shah, by the way, should definitely have been sent off yesterday. I know that it ended up with Lamptey being carded instead yeah uh, but and rightfully by the way because it was definitely a yellow card foul but i miss the days when refs would go back and book players for bad tackles even if they stayed up you know because that for me yesterday i think the only reason that it wasn't even a consideration was because at the time they were three nil down and pathetic well encourages uh, diving deserby's going to tell him to go down in that position uh, situation next time because if he did, it's absolutely a second yellow and it's absolutely a send it off. Sending off, free kick in a really good position. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they're not scoring that goal that they got then either, which I imagine Deserbi is furious about, by the way. Um, the inevitable Wilson goal? Yeah. Um, but, the, I mean, this is a Newcastle side that I know they've had a tough start to the season. Mostly it has been, according to their fans, Eddie House fault, um, mainly in his match management. Um, but we... In that first half, we bossed possession big time. Um, once we got to that second half, we played it a little bit more open because they came onto us and they needed to get a goal. Suits us down to the ground, right? Like we all said that, like that's going to work out for us more than them, really. Uh, we still ended the day with over 55% possession against a Champions League team, by the way. This is the team that qualified for the Champions League and then spent another 100 plus million in the summer to, to bolster their, their resources. Um, we talked about this in the Deserby special way at the beginning. But like the thing for me is we had 55% possession, almost 56. We had them 1-0 down with like, what, 65 plus minutes left to play with injury time included. Uh, and we still managed a 90% pass accuracy rate. Like the absolute laser beams with which we're able to play passes. Like it's just the pressure we're under. And the consistency that that team is able to throw out there is just bonkers to me. Like, it's just madness. And, like, when you look at those players, and we're going to talk about them a little bit, but, like, one of the main ones out there, right, is Jan-Paul Van Hecker. 97 touches yesterday, had 95.4% pass accuracy from 87 passes. Under a high Newcastle singers, they press. Very high. high. I mean, that's just bonkers, isn't it? Like, we've seen Dunk do that. Like, we understand that Dunk is going to be capable of that. We've been very concerned about Van Hecker and Webster's capability at doing that. Dunk yesterday, 91% off of 84 passes. Uh, He did have a fair few uh, more long balls, though. Um, So that's where that percentage is going to drop down a little bit. But that's also part of Dunk's game, isn't it? Those those big, long diagonals or those disgusting over-the-top through balls to Estepinion running at centre mid and stuff that like, just randomly happens. Um, but, I mean, for me yesterday, like, let's take some time to talk about Van Hecker uh, because I thought he was just, like, at this point, and Veltman, let's talk about them both because, for me, like, that's it now. Like, you can't 
unless Igor is that much better and it's really a case of getting him match fit because of pre-seasons being like wonky schedules between us and Syria. Um, at this point, like that's your back four until you start being forced to rotate due to Europe in the end of the month and stuff like that. Like for me, that's it. Like if I'm deserving, like set and forget for me, like that's Veltman and Van Hecker looked so much more solid, didn't they? Yeah, well, I think it's hard not to because uh, Milner and Webster were about as solid as a jelly. So, uh, yeah, there was (laughs) was the the bar was set low, but no, they looked they looked astounding. And uh, Van Hecker didn't really put a foot wrong. You could argue that his defending was a bit shoddy for, for Wilson's goal and he could have done a little bit better. He got unlucky. The ball bounced off him. Um, but, uh, I mean, I really don't think you could. If I see Webster back in the team again soon and Milner playing right back, I'm not, I will not be happy. Can you, no one will be happy with that. And I think that's, that speaks volumes. I think the only thing that I think you could possibly think about in the, in the future would be if you're going to play a team that you think you're going to whip, um, you put Lamptey right back uh, and, and see what you do there. And again, maybe that's where you see Igor, like you said, for rotation purposes. But remember, when you play Igor, you upset the balance a little bit because he's left-footed and he wants to play left centre-back. So Dunk has to move to the right. A lot of what Dunk does, as you've said, is I think he he, he played how many long balls yesterday? Ten. Ten, yeah. Six were accurate. That's a big part of the game. Again, we channel a lot of our, our, our stuff down the left-hand side because of that link-up with... With, uh, with Dunk playing there with Estupinian and, and with Matoma further up. And that might disrupt that. Deserbi might be concerned there and that might be why he's not playing. Um, so, yeah, they were they were incredible yesterday. They truly were. It, it, the opposite of the game against West Ham, right? Where I think we said at the end, or at least I said, everyone was shit apart from Pascal Gross. In this game, everyone was really, really, really good. Were they? Because I tell you, I thought Estepinian did not have his best day yesterday. No, first five minutes he was bad, yeah, sure. First, first five 25, minutes. I would say. He looked, and, and he was mostly at fault for the goal for Wilson too because he played a horrible offside trap as well. Yeah, he's he had a, He had a bad him, day yeah. yesterday and it's, it's so nice to be able to allow a player who is so bionically consistent to allow them a bad game for once and be able to rely on the other four in the back because that's okay. Like if we have two of your four go down, it's such a disaster that you can afford to allow that to happen when you've got such good people surrounding him. It's not going to hurt as much. Right. Like I just felt like he didn't have his best day and it actually didn't matter because everybody else was so good. And still win three, one against Champions League opposition. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Um, so it was great. Uh, I love seeing Lamptey back, frankly. Like he was rapid as well. Like he do you think you're gonna we're gonna see him more at right wing now than right back at this point? Do you think this is gonna be Deserby's way of making sure he has something of a career at this point? Do you think he's almost like grooming him to be a right winger at this point? Or do you think he's gonna utilize him at fullback more often? it's difficult to know. I think for the next bit of time until he gets his fitness back up he's going to be coming on as an impact player and that's probably more likely to be in that kind of 
right midfield, right wing slot. Whether it's chasing a game or whether, like yesterday, it's get basically get your foot on the ball and get us down the other end to protect it. Um, I think it's great to see him back. And I think it's also great that he seemed to have his pace looks like it's coming back as well. There was the one opportunity where he had a bit of a break, he had a bit of a one-on-one. Um, and his pace was definitely noticeable, which is obviously the big worry before was had he lost his pace. Can you think of anything worse for Dan Byrne than seeing how many minutes in was it? 77 minutes in when you're losing at that point three nil away from home Tarek Lamptey coming on to have a have a go at you like I, I, I just imagine he looks up and he just goes shit <laughs> and yeah nearly and nearly it's an already weak left back situation that they already have going on it's just like oh my god but and as you say I think I think that's Deserby knew that. And yeah, he's going to use him potentially as a bit of like, to use an NFL sort of term, maybe like a little gadget player um, or a, a sort of a bit of a joker to come into some games where you know you can capitalise on a bit of a weakness. I don't think we'll see him starting week in, week out right back just because he doesn't give you that defensive solidity and I don't think he can play 90 minutes still. Um, but i tell you what, he's, he's a, a good one to bring on against a tired team to run at you. But there's also, you've got to remember, we're spoiled for choice because that right wing position, you've already got Solly, who's playing incredible. Uh, by the way, we did sign one guy that could play there uh, in Ansu Fati, although he probably might want us to play a little bit more centrally. Buena Notte played right wing a few times for us. Um, we've not talked about Simon Adingra, who happily play on the right. Uh, yeah, so Lanty's <laughs> somewhere in the pecking order. Chad Pedro, almost fifty percent of Chad Pedro's appearances last year at Watford were on the right wing too, yeah. and that was where that was where a lot of his like highlight goals came from as well. Um, for the YouTube analysts out there, a lot of them came from the right wing because that's where he was doing the most mental stuff against sad Championship fullbacks, basically. Um, yeah, it's just insane, um, just mental. Like, I, I, I think he's probably going to play more as fullback cover myself to answer my own question. Uh, he'll be that player that will come on and you'll have like the Carabao Cup against Chelsea. You'll have Milner and him at fullback, one on each side, probably to give poor Purvis a rest, which he'll desperately need. Um, and I think that you'll probably see that kind of rotation for him. But I do love the idea of just popping him on and allowing a dinger to just do whatever he wanted up there in the way that he did in the preseason friendly, where he was really dangerous doing that. Um, so yeah, all around though, like, great, great. Um, so, man of the match for you, uh, or are we all just going to go, the lad just scored a hat-trick at 18 years old for only the fourth time in Premier League history. We're all just going to go Evan Ferguson. I'm not. No. All right. What is this? I'm, I'm going Billy Gilmore. Yeah, okay. I respect it. Yeah. If it wasn't going to be... Fergie, I would have been blown away if it was anyone but Gilmore, to be fair. Oh, you could say Van Hecker. You could. The only reason yeah. I'm going Gilmore is because of what we said at the very beginning, which is that midfit, the potential for that midfield battle to go very wrong. The fact that it didn't was down to Billy Gilmore basically taking the game by the scruff of the net. 
Yeah, it I mean, is Evan Ferguson though, by a country bloody mile. But the, the, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for for Brooklyn also, it's another, like for Brooklyn was incredible because the goalkeepers were so important important to the system. Every bit of distribution he had, and outside of him just murking Gordon, was like so he's so so relaxed on the ball. Always, he fits so perfectly, like holding the play up, just waiting, 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 looking for the pass, looking for the pass. And he just, his timing is excellent too. There's not a lot of keepers that can stomach that. We used to have one. He now plays for Chelsea starting. Uh, it's hard, but he's got it. He has that about him. And I thought he was incredible too. Matoma was, his runs, he was, every time he got the ball, you were like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And it, it typically did. But it was, yeah, I'm just listing the whole team. I mean, when called upon as well, like to hit Verbruggen again, like when called upon, he made he made that quality save that could have been a bad own goal. Well, just not even a bad one, just a really unlucky one. From, yeah. I think it was Dunk. Who it's always it, Dunk like, with own goal. Knee. Yeah, he loves yeah. getting his body in the way so much that it's an own goal. Um, but like that save then, like he had to react very quickly because he was going the opposite way. And like you expect a goalkeeper for a top 10 Prem team to make that save. But it's still a difficult one to make. Like, nonetheless, it's not an easy save to make. Um, and he looked totally comfortable doing it. He was like, yeah, no worries. I'll just do that. I'll just save that. Um, was a bit flappy at a corner or two, which was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, it doesn't command uh, his area all that well. Uh, yeah. Because he's a big lad as well. Um, so I think he'll get there with that because he's certainly mm. not shy about it. Um, I think he's just got to understand his timings a little better in where his defenders are. Um, because both times he flapped at it last last time around was he was hitting one of our defenders more than other players. Uh, and I think he just wasn't quite, he was so focused on the ball. He wasn't sure. He got pushed by a Newcastle player at one point as well. He got bodied by him, which is a bit unfair. Yeah. 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 All right, fellas. What can I, because say, can I finish if we are heading in that direction? It's a totally off topic statistic. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Given our Chelsea, our Chelsea stuff. Chelsea have won 12 games since Todd Bowley took over. Think about that for a minute. 12 games in, what, a season and a bit? He's invested over a billion pounds in transfers, right, since they took over. So stay with me. The mass of that equates to it. So it's cost him about £83 million per win, right? (laughs) That is £14 million less than it cost India to put a spacecraft on the moon recently. That is a superb stat. I didn't yeah. expect that ending. I'll be honest. No, neither did I. But like, it's incredible. Like the perspective is outrageous when you think. Like they have done a. They have done something that not many countries have done in the history of humanity, and they've still done it cheaper than the cost of one Chelsea win under Todd Bowley. I'm, I'm out. I'm out on that. All right. Well, we will cover. Because uh, we're going into the international break, um, so we don't know whether we'll be doing it next week. There's not unless we have something mental to discuss, uh, which we ironically this time last year we did because uh, this is when all the all the Potter Chelsea stuff started rearing its ugly head. Don't we, bring that energy here because you know no I don't no no yeah no don't bring that. We go into this international break in sixth place, uh, three wins from four. We are the highest goal scorers in the Premier League right now. Uh, 
with 12, uh, City and Tottenham are just behind us on 11. Um, for a team that are considered a bit leaky at the back, uh, we are just below mid-table for goals conceded. There are plenty of teams conceding more goals than us this season. Uh, and our next few games, though, are not particularly easy. And this is going to be such an interesting next month and a half, two months, really, uh, to see how Deserby manages in this. Because once we come back 16th of September, we've got United away, Athens at home, Bournemouth at home, Chelsea away, Villa away, Marseille away, all three away back-to-backs. And then you've got Liverpool at home, City away, Ajax at home, Fulham at home. That rounds off your September and October. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten games in September and October. Again, some incredibly tough opposition. A lot of travel and a lot of squad rotation. It's just going to be a really interesting time to see where we're at by November 1st when we're on this podcast talking about, well, post-Fulham, basically. I'll tell you what, though. How exciting is it going to be that that period of time, September and October, to be a, to be a Brighton fan? We're going to see that the team is going to roll out in that absolute Rolls-Royce of a kit in the in the on a Thursday night with everyone watching, everyone wants to watch this team right now. With Ansu Fatting, Ansu Fatty strolling out in a Brighton shirt, like that. I don't care how many play more games. I, I want to just see that over and over again. <laughs> it is mental, isn't it? Like, it like just, what is that? Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, oh, I, I can I can ask one closing question on that. Where the yeah. hell does he fit in? Because how do, do you how do you disrupt the eleven that we just played? I think and I think I sent it to you actually. Like I think that if we're going to do it for some of those games against like your Sheffield Uniteds and your you know your poorer sides, I think you're going to literally like death by a thousand cuts, like destroy their lives with Mitoma on the left, Fatty in the ten. Ferguson in the nine and Pedro on the right. So you, and it's you, you kill be, off Solly for those particular games. Yes, for t- for games where you need to be a little bit more responsible <laughs> and a little bit more adult about things, which is basically exactly what it is because they're all children except for Midtimer. Like I think then you're going to see Solly playing. Like yesterday, I think if Hansu Fati was ready, fit. If this came two months from now. I think Solly March is still going to play against Newcastle because that's the kind of player that Deserby wants out there. I think when you're playing Bournemouth at home, I think you might see a more nasty, evil front four of just like, like just unbelievable, like youthful energy. I think that's my take on it. Anyway, what do you think? Do you like, cause he's not a right winger. He can do left. He can do central both nine and 10 but he can't do the right. He's just not a right winger. So what, like, who do you think drops out? Well, Robin's, Robin's gone. He's he's sick of it. Robin thinks he drops out. Yeah. 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 Robin's, yeah. Robin's dropping for it. Um, I really don't know because after what, what we just watched, and if you'd have asked me with a West Ham game, I would have said any of them. But after this, 
<laughs> you, can't, you can't drop you obviously for Ferguson bam he's he's there you can't you're not dropping Matoma um but those two are like for me now just absolutely concrete they're on there so then you know Jao Pedro's performance was maybe just that sort of rotation with Jao Pedro yeah maybe that's it um I mean, Matoma is going to need to have a rest too. Like, he can't play all the time. Like, so in some respects, Matoma is probably quite pleased to see him coming in because he's just like probably remembering how he felt at Wembley last year and thinking how tired he was. What a a switch out. You take Matoma off in a game. 65 minutes in and Ansi Fetty comes on. Same same thing. You play on the left-hand side, right footer, cut inside. Like, yeah, what? Yeah. Our left-hand side will be made up of two players that played in La Liga and played in Champions League, uh, played Champions League football in Estupinian and, and Ansu Fati, if that were the case, which yeah. is fairly That's remarkable. That's the we're at now. It is. Um, one more stat to leave us off on as well, uh, and I think I posted it to you guys as well because I thought it was really impressive. Um, we are yet to lose two games in a row under Roberto De Zerbi in the Premier League. Mm. We did lose, obviously, the United and Forest uh, games back-to-back, but one of them was the FA Cup, and it was also a penalty shootout, which technically means it was a draw. But we have never lost two back-to-back games under Roberto De Zerbi in the Premier League. And if that doesn't scream mentality, like I don't know what else does. I've got a horrid feeling that that stat will no longer be usable by the end of October. But uh, <laughs> based on Liverpool at home and Man City away, I'm looking at that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But God, I, I, I'm not going to go over this any more times. But I tell you what, what a thrilling few weeks this is going to be after we get the crap international rubbish out of the way. Yeah. Like, what a, what a ride it's going to be to see this all come together and, and see these games and these new players come in. Yep, I will be. I'll be at every game in September now as well for the rest of the week, rest of the year, except for Chelsea. I'm not going to Stamford Bridge on Wednesday night to watch our reserves. Um, but I'll be going to United. I'll be there for the Athens at home, and then I'll also be going to whatever the one is after that, Bournemouth shortly Bournemouth. afterwards as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, definitely going to the Ajax at home as well. You're not uh, going to Man U, are you? Yeah. Man U away, you're going. Yeah. How how Brian would it be that we beat Man U away, we win in the Europa League, and we lose at home to Bournemouth? It, fairly inevitable, right? It feels that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put six, put six past Athens. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, what a team!" And then get dicked one 0 by Bournemouth. Yeah, there's, there's no way that won't happen. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, so to round us out. Let's do the thing. Let's do the let's do the Green King shout out. Uh, so we are still sponsored. We've not got ourselves unsponsored yet. Um, we amazing. still are sponsored uh, by Green King Sports, uh, where football is more than a game. Um, so Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Brighton fixture over the 23-24 season. Don't know if you went last yesterday, you would have had a good time wherever you were. If you did, it would have been a good one to go and watch. Um, And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're in Brighton, Borough, Birmingham, Wolves, wherever you want to be, uh, you can catch every single minute of the action. 
Um, keep an eye out during the season, post-international break, for uh, events, offers, content, competitions uh, that put you a little bit closer to the action. Um, so, yeah, uh, when we come back, um, I know we have a couple of 3 p.m. games after that, but uh, if you're not at the Annex or you're not going to Old Trafford, uh, catch the rest of the Premier League action on TNT, Sky Sports, at your Green King pubs. And I think that's about it for us. I've got nothing more to say up the Albion. That's it. Enjoy your international break, fellas uh, and ladies that listen in. Um, we just dropped a whole bunch of stats on you that are really, really nice ones. <laughs> so we'll speak to you again in two weeks. Have a good one.